Good evening. If you will, please turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 13. Exodus chapter 13. It's always an honor and a privilege to be able to preach. And, and uh, I was talking with Brother Nelson earlier today. And one of the uh, major things as far as being a graduate, being a product of the seminary here, uh, that pastor, as well as Brother Nelson and, and uh, Brother Wally and, and uh, Brother Jeff, um, Brother Brown, what everybody talked about is, is always having a message ready, always being ready uh, for when, when your number's called. And uh, at 9.30 this morning, I ended up finding out that I was going to be uh, having the opportunity to preach at the 11 o'clock service. And, uh, and so, it's, uh, like I said, it's an honor, it's a privilege to be able to preach tonight. I told the morning crowd, if this goes well, to God be the glory. And if this goes bad, it's my fault. And so uh, this message, though, the, the Lord laid on my heart the night that Pastor Allison preached, What is in thine hand? And he actually quoted one scripture that sparked this entire sermon. That scripture was found in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, And God's word says, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Now, like I said, if you will, let's look at Exodus chapter 13, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn, whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast, it is mine. And Moses said unto the people, Remember this day in which ye came out from Egypt, out of the house of bondage. For by strength of hand the Lord brought you out from this place. There shall no leavened bread be eaten. This day came ye out in the month of Bib. Verse 5, And it shall be when the Lord shall bring thee into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, which he sware unto thy fathers to give thee a land flowing with milk and honey, that thou shalt keep this service in this month. Let's drop down to verse number 15. And it came to pass when Pharaoh would hardly let us go, that the Lord slew all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore I sacrifice to the Lord all that openeth the matrix, being males, but all the firstborn of my children I redeem. And it shall be for a token upon thine hand and for frontlets between thine eyes. For by strength of hand the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. Verse 18, but God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones away hence with you. And they took their journey from Succoth and encamped in Etham in the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a, in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. I want us to focus right there, that Exodus chapter 13, verse 18. It says, but God led the people through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. I want to focus on those two words, but God, for tonight's message. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, Lord. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. We thank you for the truths that we have found in your word. Lord, I beg that you fill me with the Holy Spirit of God, that your truths will ring out. Lord, I pray that you be with us tonight, be with our pastor, be with Mrs. Lucy. Lord, I just uh, pray that uh, you continue to guide and direct us, Lord, as we close out the year 2023. Lord, I pray that you prepare our hearts for, for what's coming in 2024. And we'll give you the praise, honor, and glory for it. Just ask this in the precious name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Life is a precious thing to, to have, and it's something that too often we take for granted. I was talking with Brother Winfrey this morning, and he said when he was 47 years old, he retired from the military. He looked down, looked up, and just like that, 23 years has almost passed. 
That's hard to believe. VBS man is going to be 70 years old on October 11, 2024. But what we find is, is life just goes by so quick. Now, we know that there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs, there's going to be rights and wrongs, there's going to be twists and turns. We know life will not always go our way. At times, we will want to give up. At times, we will want to give in. But we know we need to keep pressing toward the mark. I believe that Paul said it best in Philippians 3.14 when he said, I press toward the mark of the high, uh, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The struggles that we have in life go back to the days of Adam and Eve when sin first entered into the world. There are many people here today in this world that, that would love for you to think that their lives are perfect when you look at their social media accounts that, and the lies that they post on their status updates. But the reality is, is we know that life is tough and most people would not admit that their life is not as good as they would like others to believe. Yes, they, they look good on the outside. They look well put together. The family looks good. The house looks like a home. But behind closed doors, it's nothing but a war zone. Oh, the things that we take for granted. We know that life gives us trials. We know that life gives us difficulties. We know that life gives us things we don't always want to deal with. I've seen these people wear these shirts that say, nope, I'm not adulting today. And though this may work for some people, the reality is, is when you become an adult, you're responsible. And sadly, we live in a society in which too many people fail to be a responsible adult. Too many people are not adulting today. And as Brother Brown has mentioned to me before, kids don't need a front end alignment. They need a back end alignment. When I was growing up, my parents were good about applying the Board of Education to the seat of knowledge. They were so good that my mom had a go-to whenever it came to discipline. And hers was an egg turner. And I can tell you, I got to fill the egg turner really, really well. In fact, my wife and I, on May 31st, 2003, we got married. We just celebrated 20 years. And it was just recently that, uh, that we have an egg turner in the house. I almost had PTSD from egg turners. But you know what? Here's the thing is every one of us in here, we all go through trials. And many people here today are stuck in the middle of a trial. The definition of that word trial is a person, thing, or situation that tests a person's endurance or forbearance. But one thing that we must realize is no matter how bad we think that we have it, there is somebody in this world that would give anything to trade places with you. We can't take that for granted. Sometimes our trials in life could, could be another person, whether it be a, a child, a son or daughter. Could be a sibling, a brother or sister, a parent. Could even be an in-law, but it's not my in-laws. <laughs> Sometimes these trials, they can be because of a lack of money, bad decision-making skills or, or a combination of these. But we have other people here today that they've surpassed the trial and they're facing tribulation. And this definition is a cause of great trouble or suffering, severe affliction, distresses of life, vexations. Yes, there are many people who are facing tribulations today that when they look at the trials of others, they would give anything, like I said, to switch places with you. While others who think that they're in a tribulation are merely only facing a trial because the majority of us do not know what it means to face real tribulation. And when I say tribulation, I really mean persecution. We're not like those Christians who have been martyred for their belief. At least not yet, but if we live long enough, our time is coming in which Christians will be a persecuted group exactly like what the Bible predicts. With the ups and downs, the ebb and flow of life, there are also triumphs. Might I say anyone who has accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they have a triumph in their life. That is, they have a great victory or achievement in that they're heaven bound when they take their last breath on this earth. 
The Bible says to be absent in the bodies, to be present with the Lord. I can think of no other great accomplishments than to be in the presence of God Almighty. Whether you're going through a trial, facing a tribulation, or celebrating a triumph, if you're wondering tonight whether or not God can use you, He can. He can use anyone, no matter how bad or how low you think you are. God can use you. You just need to surrender. We as individuals must surrender to the will of God. Those two words, but God, just jumped out at me the night that pastor was reading those scriptures. As he was speaking and instantly other scriptures started coming to my mind with those words, but God. I was so intrigued that I went home and did a search on those two words, but God. And to my surprise, I found out that they are used 44 times in scripture. 44 times. 19 times in the Old Testament, 25 times in the New Testament. I was completely blown away when I was telling Pastor Allison about this message. There was 44 verses. He said, I hope it's not a 44-point message. <laughs> I can assure you it's not. But the title, if you have not guessed it, is But God. And I want to try and be a help because I know everyone here will be facing battles. Every one of us will be facing those trials, those tribulations. And it's a truthful statement to say that everyone here is either in the middle of a trial or in the middle of a storm. Something bad's happening. You're coming out of a storm. Something bad happened. Or you're about to go into the storm. Something bad's about to happen. During these times, we need to focus on God. And we need to remember those two words, but God. Tonight's message will be a simple three-point outline. But God in times of trial. But God in times of tribulation. But God in times of triumph. Point number one, but God in times of trials. From what we have read, we need to understand exactly what's going on with the children of Israel. We need to take the time to understand what God has done for them. He has delivered them from the Egyptians. Now, in chapters 7 through 12 of the book of Exodus, we see God sending plagues upon Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And the cry of Moses was, let my people go. Now, might I remind you of the ten plagues written about in the Bible? You have the very first plague being found in Exodus chapter 7, verse 20, which is the, the water turned into blood. Second plague was with the frog invasion, Exodus 8, 6. Third plague was with the lice, Exodus 8, 17. The fourth plague was with the flies, Exodus 8.24. The fifth with the cattle disease, Exodus 9.6. The sixth with the plague of the boils, Exodus 9.10. The seventh plague was with the hail mingled with fire in Exodus 9.24. The eighth plague was with the locusts in 10.13. The ninth plague was the three days of darkness in Exodus chapter 10, verse 22. And the tenth and final plague was the slaying of the firstborn in Exodus chapter 12, verse 29. And Pharaoh offers Moses four compromises, four opportunities to compromise. But he passes each one. The first compromise being don't leave, but do your thing here in Egypt, Exodus 8.25. Second compromise, leave, but don't go too far, Exodus 8.28. Third compromise, leave, but allow your children to remain here, Exodus 10.10. And the fourth compromise, leave, but without your flocks and herds, Exodus 10.24. Now, it's been said that the cloudy pillar protecting the children of Israel is the second greatest miracle in all of the Bible, with the greatest being the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And I can tell you the greatest miracle in my life was the day I placed my trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and He gave me eternal life. The Red Sea crossing is mentioned many times in the Word of God. For instance, in Psalm 78, 53, and he led them on safely so that they feared not. But the sea overwhelmed their enemies. Psalm 106, 11 and 12. And the waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. Then believed they his words. They sang his praise. Psalm 106, 21 and 22. They forgot God their Savior which had done great things in Egypt. Wondrous works in the land of Ham and terrible things by the Red Sea. Hebrews eleven twenty nine 29. By faith. They passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians assigned to do, were drowned. The trial that the children of Israel were facing was that they were coming out of slavery 
and they were not prepared for warfare. Now, the shortest way for them to have went up the land which God had given them was the seacoast. But the Israelites coming out of Egyptian slavery had no weapons to fight with. So God graciously took them through the wilderness. Yes, it was a longer route to the land, but it spared any warfare. They would not have to face an enemy until they entered the land God promised that was overflowing with milk and honey. Now, someone might say, but, but God could have delivered them by some miracle. And though this is true, it's this kind of attitude that should make us sick to our stomachs. Some Christians believe that, that God should perform a miracle for them every minute of the day. They feel that they have a right to command the Lord to intervene for them if they're sick or they're in trouble. And I'm reminded that you cannot have a testimony without having a test. You can't have a message without a mess. The only way God can show us he's in control is to put us in situations we cannot control. It's not a question of his ability. He certainly can do it. Rather, it's a question of the way God wants to do it. Might I remind you that God can do anything but fail. God doesn't need us. God doesn't need me. But we need to make our lives count for our Savior. God will perform a miracle for us in our lives, but he will only do so in order to accomplish his way and his will in our lives. God could have brought the Israelites through the land of the Philistines by a miracle. And if they had been attacked, God could have delivered them. But I'm reminded of what God's word says uh, in Isaiah 55, 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God delivers the children of Israel from the bondage of Egypt. Now look with me over in Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. It says, And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. Drop down to verse 21. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Drop down to verse 27. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it. And the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Think about this. The children of Israel, they're on their journey. They're on their way trying to escape for their life. The enemies behind them, the Red Sea before them, they placed their trust in God that he will deliver them from their enemy and they kept trudging forward. Can you imagine what it must have been like placing your, that kind of faith in God? Seeing God deliver you? Feeling God deliver you? Can you imagine the adrenaline that must have been running through their veins, pumping through their heart? They look to their left, they see the wall of water. They look to the right, they see the wall of water. They look ahead, they see their freedom. But when they look behind them, they see the enemy pursuing. It's now or never. I wonder how many people were proceeding forward, but were doubting God the entire way. I wonder how many people are in here today, living their life, while doubting God and what he can do in your life. How many people? Instead of going towards God, the cross before them, the world behind them, we have it backwards, where it's the cross behind them and the world before them. 
God delivers the children of Israel. And what happens? Exactly what happens in our lives when God works in our lives in a miraculous way. We see in Exodus 15, 1. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. Christians, how many times are we like this? God delivers us from a bad situation, and we're quick to sing his praises. Quick to give God the glory. Quick to praise his holy name. But unfortunately, it was short-lived for the children of Israel, just like it is in our own lives. Instead of trusting God, we become yabuts. Instead of believing that God will provide for us, we are the yabuts. He gives us the great victory, and too quickly do we forget things. Exodus chapter 15, verse 22 through 24, the people murmured against Moses when they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. I think about Hebrews eleven six. 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God's word has not changed. And if we diligently seek God, we will find him, but we must stop doubting and we must start seeking Exodus 16, 2 says, The children of Israel are murmuring against Moses and Aaron again in the wilderness. Exodus 17, 3, The people thirsted for water and the people murmured against Moses. Numbers 14, 2, And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? Time and time again, the children of Israel murmured against Moses. The children of Israel murmured against God. And too often we look at them and say, I'll never be like that. I wouldn't do that. Not at all. But I'm reminded of Mark chapter 14, verse 27. Jesus was, was speaking and, and he said, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. But Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. And Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, even in this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. But he spake the more vehemently, If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also said they all. Too many times we think we would never do the things the children of Israel did, or we would never deny Jesus like what Peter did, but might I remind you that, that Peter walked with Jesus. Peter talked with Jesus. Peter ministered with Jesus. If Peter can deny Jesus Christ and he was with him, we need to realize we too can fall short in our walk with God. I think about Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. For all have fallen and come short of the glory of God. I think often of Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. But you know what? It is too easy for us to become pious in our walk with God. It's too easy. It's so easy for us to forget what God has done for us. It's too easy for us to forget what God has delivered us from. Recently, the Lord dealt with me with unforgiveness. And might I say that it's very humbling to stand before you and confess my fault before you, but it's true. I had unforgiveness marred in my heart and it impacts our walk with God. It impacts every aspect of our life, our Christian life. One day I was speaking with someone and the Lord brought a thought to me. And I want you to get this. Especially if you're dealing with unforgiveness. Jesus Christ was willing to forgive me of the wrong that I have done to him. 
He was willing to sacrifice himself on that cross to pay my sin debt. He is willing to do that for me. And I'm not willing to forgive someone who has slightly offended me. Come on, DA, get over yourself. I wonder how many of us in here tonight have some unforgiveness in our hearts. I wonder how many of us in here have something in our life that's marring our walk with God. January 14th through the 19th, we have this super conference. We already know that 2024 is going to be a storm. I'm not talking politics or anything like that. But we know that things are coming, things are changing. We need to get prayed up. We need to get over ourselves. I was reading a book that said we need to get dirtbag honest with ourselves whenever it comes to, to God. Because too often, we don't really want to call sin out in our life. We just kind of just give generic terms to it. Galatians 6.3, for if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. We need to understand the God of this Bible. He is the same and does not change. I think about Malachi 3.6, I am the Lord, I change not. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. We need to be praising God when we're on the mountaintops and we need to be praising God when we're down in the valleys. But too often we become yeah buts. I hope I can do this, or I hope I can do that, when instead we need to look at our mighty God and know He is God. At some point, every one of us will be in the valley. You may be on the mountaintop today, but just know the valley's coming, and it's important in how we respond when life is not going our way. Instead of it being, yeah, but, we need to remember, but God there are going to be times that we're going to need to be reminded that God is in control. And though with man, things may be impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Amen. What catches us by surprise never catches God by surprise. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? We must remember to place our trust in those two words but God, we need to understand and really take the time to reflect on who we serve. I believe many times we take God for granted when things are going our way. But the moment things are heading the wrong way or in a bad direction, we want to cry out to God. We should not take the blessings of God for granted. We should not take what we have here at Madison Baptist Church for granted. Have we forgot the impacts of COVID? Think about how that's changed things. That was just three years ago. It's still wrecking havoc on the church. There's some churches that have closed down, but praise God, Madison Baptist Church has 40 years. Praise God that we have a pastor that's preached faithfully God's word, thus saith the Lord, for going on 35 years. We need not take this for, for granted. Amen. When we come to church, we need to come to church with a purpose, to bring honor and glory to God, which is why we were created. We have a society that has done its best to get rid of God and then question God when bad things happen. What he expected in the days of Abraham, what he expected in the days of Moses, what he expected in the days of King David is exactly what he expects today. Yet somehow we think that God is going to give us some kind of free pass when it comes to our service, when it comes to our obedience to his word. Point number one, but God in trials. Point number two, but God in tribulation. The biggest suffering I believe that anyone can have is to die without Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We know that a person who does so will spend eternity in hell. And I praise God that he made a way for salvation for all mankind. Romans 5, 8, but God committed his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Acts 13, 30, but God raised him from the dead. Romans 6, 17, but God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. 
1 Corinthians 1.27, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. There's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. And we need to understand the importance for us to get this message out to a lost and dying world. I went to Google, typed in the simple search, how does a person make it to heaven? And there were 368 million results that popped up. Out of those listings, I saw seven ways, seven steps to get to heaven. I saw three ways to get to heaven. And that right there we know is a fallacy because Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We need to take the time and reflect back on who we were as a lost person. And we need to praise God for saving us. We need to praise God for sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die on that cross at Calvary. But I believe too often we're just like the children of Israel. When it comes to our salvation, we look at others and do not have the blessed assurance. Who do not have the hope in a Savior and we write them off. We forget about the blessings that God has given to us when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We cannot afford to write others off. We need to lead people to Jesus. We need to be fervent. You say, I don't know what to say, but, but I don't know, and I don't know how they'll react. And, and, and two words come to my mind, but God. But God can do anything. Allow God to move in your heart. Remember, the Bible says, he that winneth souls is wise. We need to allow God to fight our battles. God will give us the words to speak. God will help us when we need him. But we must be willing to be obedient to him. Speaking of obedience. I think about the opportunities that I have been able to go out soul winning with Brother Vince Dorego. And one of the key things that he tells every child that we encounter is four words. Four words. Every time there's a child that we, that we uh, meet and speak to, God always rewards obedience. Now, as many of you know, August 11, 2022 was a turning point in his life. He almost went home to, to be in glory. He had his heart surgery and the complications that came thereafter. And for nearly 10 months, he and I were not able to go soul winning. And I remember as we were gearing up, trying to figure out exactly what we were going to, to do. Because you got to keep in mind, before this, we used to go into the projects in Huntsville. And we'd go door to door. There was no way he was going to be able to do it. Not go to door to door, get his walker out. He didn't have the strength. We were praying for guidance and direction. And the Lord laid upon me a thought while reading a book about soul winning. The author made a great point. Doors don't get saved. People do. And we need to look for opportunities. I am all for going door to door soul winning. But you know what? God puts a lot of opportunities right before us all the time. And immediately the Lord laid on my heart the thought of a local grocery store and being able to witness inside of there. I mean, you think about this. A lot of times when somebody knocks on our door, we think, who is that? I'm not expecting anybody. And sometimes our defenses are up. But the Lord laid on my heart the thought of the grocery store. Because when we go out to a grocery store, we expect to speak to people. We expect to have conversations with people. So for the, past, for the past six months, Brother Drago and I, we head out to a grocery store near the projects. He's able to ride in the motorized cart. We're able to get the items off the grocery list because that's what happens is, is Mrs. Elaine, she gives him a grocery list. My wife gives me a grocery list. And then we're able to go in. He's able to ride that motorized scooter. We don't have to worry about him having the strength. You say, well, aren't the employees going to run you off? No, at this point in time, we become regular customers because we go every Thursday, 930. You know, the great thing about that, during the summertime when it was super hot outside, it was 100 degrees, and, and you'd only want to be out there for just a small time period, we were able to stay in there for two, three hours. Now, we ended up, you know, having the opportunity to be able to talk to people. Because when you're in that grocery store, you can say hi to somebody and you can automatically kind of gauge whether or not they're going to be somebody that's going to be interested in talking to you or not. And I praise God 
that Brother Vince Durego and I, we've seen three people accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We've had the opportunity to be able to pray for people. We had the opportunity to lead one lady to the Lord over by the You'll Play Yogurt. True story. Whether it's hot outside or not, we're able to take that time to be in there. And we're no longer a threat to the employees because they see us as regulars. They, they want to know how we're doing. It just makes me think about this. Brother Vince has got a limitation. He can't stand for a long time. Limitations become limitations when we allow them to be limitations. I'm going to say that one more time. Limitations become limitations when we allow them to be limitations. We can overcome any obstacle in life, but we cannot do it by ourselves. We need to learn to rely upon God. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Verse 7, so then neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. The message of salvation has not changed. We're not to change it to make it more acceptable. We're not to, we, are, we are, though, to make it more available. We are not supposed to see that they like it, but that they receive it. We are to be God's paper boy. Amen. Growing up, one of the jobs that I thought that would be cool was to be a paper boy. Riding a bike, having a bag of papers and tossing them out, out at houses. I figured it would be a lot better than getting up early and having to go gather eggs like I did on the farm. God wants us to be his paper boy. One of the biggest deterrents that people have whenever it comes to soul winning is the pressure that they put on themselves that they don't want to mess up in giving out the gospel message. It's up to you to deliver the message of salvation and let the Holy Spirit do the rest of the work. Think about that paper boy. The paper boy doesn't write the paper. The paper boy doesn't print it. He just delivers it. The pressure is not on him to make people read the paper. Sometimes, though, when the paper boy makes his throw, he does an excellent job and gets it right on the porch, right to the doorstep. And there are other times when his throw isn't the best, but the customer still gets the paper and reads the articles that were put into this paper. A soul winner is God's paper boy. You just deliver the gospel. He will prepare the hearts of the individuals who hear it. We need to turn to God, but too often we try to fix things ourselves. Too often we try to do things our way instead of allowing God to move in our lives, instead of allowing for God to show us how big he is, instead of allowing for our faith to grow. We become like the children of Israel and begin to murmur. I'm reminded of that children's song that says, My God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do for you. It's a children's song. Yet something happens the older we get and we forget these promises. I don't care whether you're 8 years old or 80 years old. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do for you. I think about the troubles of life. I think about my own personal struggles, and I cling to what God's word says in James 4, 8. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. We need to be praising God, because as Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak... Then am I strong. Many times when I make my hospital visits, I want to give a friendly reminder that God has a purpose every day for our lives. When people are in the hospital, God has a purpose for them. We can either go, woe is me, woe, 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 or we can say, glory, 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 praise God Almighty. Because I think about how God used Jim Davison being in the hospital talking 20 people like the last week of his life, led to the Lord. I must confess to you, in April, he had his fourth and fifth metatarsal amputated off. I was at Crestwood Hospital whenever he was being wheeled back in. I could hear his voice out in the hallway, and I ashamedly tell you this. I thought, 
This is going to be good. He is on anesthesia right now. I cannot wait to hear what funny thing he is about to say. You know, he's probably going to be talking out of his mind. And as he got closer, I watched this gentleman wheel him back in to that hospital room, room 414, and with my own two ears and my own two eyes, I watched that gentleman say, Yes, sir, I understand that I'm a sinner. I understand that I deserve to die and go to hell. And I believe what you told me, that Jesus Christ died upon that cross to save my sin. And I don't want to die and go to hell when I die. Jesus Christ, will you please save me and take me to heaven? That was a 43-year-old man. You talk about humbling. I was sitting here thinking, well, I, I, I wish I would have recorded it. I almost pulled it out to record it because I thought it was going to be something funny. But it's amazing. That right there, his life verse, Proverbs 11.30, he that winneth souls is wise. How many people Jim Davison led to the Lord because he is a soul winner? You know, God isn't a talent scout looking for someone who is good enough or strong enough. He's looking for someone with a heart set on him, and God will do the rest. But God in strength. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Psalm 49, 15. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me, Selah. Psalm 73, 26, my flesh and my heart felleth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. There was a point in time in our society in which people would blush when they were ashamed. Now people are ashamed if they blush. Modesty has disappeared and we have a society with absolutely no fear of God. We have a society so gladfully being called tolerant and broad-minded that we wink at sin when we ought to weep at sin. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. God judges what we tolerate as well as what we practice. Too often we put up with things that we should be putting out and getting rid of our lives. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. You can and we can overcome any obstacle hindering our Christian walk. We must be prepared to do business for the Lord. We must be prepared to do battle for the Lord because our adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. But we know Ephesians 2.4 tells us, but God, who is rich in mercy. And when it comes to our lives, we must live fully for God. We know that salt seasons, we know that salt purifies, and we know that salt preserves. But somebody should remind us that salt also irritates Real living Christianity rubs the world the wrong way. But we need to be louder more than ever. We need to understand that if a person dies without placing their trust in Jesus Christ, they will spend eternity in hell. The children of Israel, God led them out of bondage from the Egyptians. and They were so short-minded that they forgot the blessings of the Lord. And we are no different. We are just like them. When things are going good, it's very easy for us to praise God. But when things are going bad, it becomes easy, even easier for us to blame God. But God in trials, but God in tribulations, and we have point number three, but God in triumph. When a person accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, this person has already gotten the greatest triumph in a person's life. We know that, a, that the moment that a person accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they become a child of God. The Bible says in Psalm 34, 6, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. I praise God that on March 14, 2010, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Christ saved me from all of my troubles. You say, Brother D.A., you haven't had any trouble since March 14, 2010? No. I've had troubles. As long as there's breath in me, as long as this heart of mine beats, I will face troubles. But Jesus Christ saved me and kept me from dying and going to hell. And there is no other greater trouble that a person can have 
than to die without Jesus Christ because no trouble here on this earth will be greater than the trouble a person in hell has. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I'm reminded of the family of four that went to a church very similar to this. It was the mom, it was the dad, it was a 16-year-old girl and a 12-year-old boy. The preacher was preaching on salvation and the girl was convicted. She was not saved. She knew it. She was not saved. Parents had an inkling. They had, they had a clue. They had some intuition. But this girl, 16 years old, she looked good on the outside. She looked like a Christian. She talked like a Christian. She knew the lingo. She even memorized Bible verses. Preacher gave the message. She felt the nudging of the Holy Spirit to go forward, to make that decision to place her trust in Jesus Christ. But instead, that 16-year-old girl was too worried about what her friends would think, too worried about what others would say, because here she was. She, if anybody was a Christian, she should have been a Christian. Family ended up going out to dinner on the way home. Starts to rain. Mom and dad and sister are having a conversation about the decision that she needs to make. But she's just not ready. She's going to make it. She's going to make it next week. Begins to rain a little bit harder. There's a curve coming. Dad doesn't make the curve. Vehicle goes down into the embankment. And that 16-year-old girl is trapped in that car. Mom and dad and brother are able to get out. She's crying out for her mom and dad to help her. Her dad is, is trying to break into the window. He's trying to get to his little girl before something bad happens, and he just cannot get there. The police are on their way. The ambulance is on their way. Jaws of life is on their way, but they're not going to be able to get there in time. And sadly, that 16-year-old girl died without accepting Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. And unfortunately, she is facing the torments of hell today as I preach this message. If you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ, would you please do so today? Many people think that when they accept Jesus Christ that all their troubles and worries will go away, but unfortunately, that's not the case. In fact, when a person accepts Jesus Christ as their Savior, life typically gets harder not easier. I compare it to the game of basketball. We've got boys that play JV and varsity, and you know it's kind of like this. We want to guard the person that has the ball. We're not worried about the person who's sitting on the bench. Why? Because they can do no harm. They can do no good sitting on the bench. But you take someone who's doing something for God, though, and it will not be long, and the devil is going to start applying pressure. It won't be long, and that, that devil's going to begin to start to guard that person real well, trying to discourage this individual. Christians, we've got to make sure that we are not sitting on the sidelines when it comes to our life. We need to get busy serving God. We need to get busy doing things for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We need to remember, though, whether we're on the mountaintop or in the valley, it's the same Lord overall. Job 1.21 tells us the Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When it comes to success, we cannot get high and mighty because the success is because of God, not because of any of us. Hebrews 12.2, we need to keep looking. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So it comes down to all of this, but God in trials, but God in tribulation, but God in triumph. It comes down to this. How do we apply all of this? We know everyone in here will have trials. We know everyone here will have tribulations. And we know everyone here will have triumphs in life. If you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ, today needs to be that time. There may be over 368 million ways to go to heaven on the internet, but we know that there's only one way, one true way, one biblical way, and that's through Jesus Christ. The number one thing I do not deserve is my salvation in Jesus Christ. I am a, a sinner. I deserve to die and go to hell, and so does everyone else in this place, in this city, 
in this state, in this country, in this continent, and in this world. But God made a way. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God will give you eternal life, but he won't make you. He will allow you the opportunity to decide. When it comes to the Christian who has secured eternal life, are there some things that you're going through where you need to just turn it over to God? Instead of saying, yeah, but, is it time we turn our focus to those two words, but God? If you've not made that decision, you have been born again. If you have made that decision, you've been born again. What about the times in your life that you've murmured against God? What about those times? We serve a great and mighty God, and too often when things do not go our way, it's so easy for us to murmur against God. Have you been murmuring against him? Have you lost your zeal for the Lord that you know you should have? Have you taken the relationship you have with God for granted? Everyone in here is either in a storm, coming out of a storm, or about to go into a storm. And I want to encourage you to remember the next time you get discouraged, the next time you want to give up, the next time you want to give in, I want to remind you of those two words, but God. Forty-four times in Scripture we see these two words used. And if we just take the time to use it in our own life, what a difference we can see. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, Lord. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, I praise your name for the opportunity to be able to preach this message. And I wonder, across the auditorium, there's anybody in here, as far as that you've spoken to, that they, they know that they've been murmuring against you. Lord, we know that the adversary, our devil, as a, as a roaring lion, walk about seeking whom he may devour. We know that he wants to devour our church. He wants to devour our families, our walk with you. Lord, I just pray that we'll get busy and do business with you. Lord, I pray that you be with Pastor Allison. Watch over him, guide him, protect him, get our pastor or under-shepherd back here in the church. And Lord, I pray that you prepare our hearts for 2024 as 2023 ends. And we'll give you the praise, honor, and glory for it. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray.